Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up Chimaclaw on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show. Here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Bernsey, what's going on? Shall I call you champion, Gambo? So listen to this. This is incredible. Here's my final four. Ready? Yes. Alabama. Done. Marquette. Gone. Houston. Bye-bye. UCLA. See ya. Here's my Elite Eight. Okay, I'm going to go one, one step further. Here's my... Jesse, you ready for this, Jesse? Here's my Elite Eight. Bama. Gone. U of A. Asta, Duke, Aloha, Marquette. I'm trying to think of words for goodbye. Get out of here. Arrivederci. Okay, you got to roll I'll, the yard. Arrivederci. I'll do that one next time. Okay. Houston. Arrivederci. A&M. Gone. UConn. There. Hey. Ding, 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 ding. UCLA. Yeah. I had one team in the Elite Eight, and I finished in first place. In our among the hosts, among the hosts, among the hosts, yeah, among here, the hosts. Here in the station pool, you're not. I don't. I looked. You're not. I don't think. You're. Luke, Vince, Bickley, Mitch, Sarah, Jared, Carlin. My bracket was the best, and it was crap. It was crap. It was crap. It was so bad. It was garbage. You actually, you actually surrendered twice during this tournament. After U of A lost, you surrendered. And after Alabama lost, you surrendered. You ripped up your bracket on the air twice, and you still finished the best. I get a steak dinner for this? Says who? I don't know. Don't, shouldn't the win against something? Like the winner should get something. You were the best at like self-inventing things. Nobody ever said a steak dinner. I was supposed to get one a couple years ago. You were, that was like five years ago. You've got to let that stuff yeah. go, man. Yeah. You're like Devin Booker and the officials. Let it go. Oh man, let it go. All right, frozen. You, you did. You didn't get your steak yeah. dinner five years ago. You got. We got totally brand new management here. We got a boss in the other room. He's like steak dinner. I didn't promise anybody a steak Something. dinner. No, nobody was. That is the worst. Maybe the worst bracket I've ever filled bad. out. That's bad. Might might be the worst bracket I've ever and filled out. And here's the thing: if Gonzaga just hadn't got their butts worked oh on Saturday, God. I would have finished. With you would have finished bracket. with the best record. I just needed one more win out of Gonzaga. Or and Texas would have held on to a 13 point lead. Either Jared or Sarah, Sarah would have had the best. Right? It was yeah. it was an absolute mess. Well, congratulations! I finished second. Um, not that uh, not that I'm proud of it, but I would have taken a win. It's like, like you. it's I like, hey, it. mom, I had the highest grade in the class. What'd you get? A 67. <laughs> I got a D. Yeah, I got a D, but, but that was the right. highest grade. Your parents were never happy about that. They're like, yeah, we're not grading you on a curve, kid. Just because you got the best in the class doesn't mean it's the best. My parents yeah, I thought, graded me on pass or fail. Oh, okay. I thought your parents never bought the whole, I got the best score in the class thing. Yeah, no, it was, did you maybe pass the was, test? You, I passed the test. Maybe that was test. my parents. Maybe yeah. that was my parents. All right, we got a lot to get into today. That's yeah, way let's in do it. Top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the way in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Lamar Jackson wants out. Says he has requested a trade from the Ravens in regards to my future plans. He tweets as of March 2nd. I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens has not been interested in meeting my value. Any and everyone that's met me or been around me know I love the game of football. My dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. You all are great, but I had to make a business decision that was best for my family and I. John Harbaugh, here in town for the league meetings, the NFL's owners meetings and the coaches, they're all here, said, frankly, I haven't seen Lamar Jackson. 
Jackson's tweet? I haven't seen the tweet. It's an ongoing process. Uh, I'm, I'm following it very closely, just like everybody else is here, and uh, looking forward to a resolution. I'm excited, thinking about Lamar all the time, thinking about him as our quarterback. We're building our offense around that idea, and uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back to football. I'm confident that's going to happen. Okay. I mean, he still may end up playing for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, we've seen Kevin Durant ask for a trade from the Nets and sure. then not get traded. I mean, this doesn't necessarily – look, you need two. You need a trade partner. Right now, if you want to trade for, for Lamar Jackson, you've got to give up two first-round picks and then meet whatever his asking price is going to be unless you keep him on that one-year tag. I mean, he, you know, he's got a couple of options here. One, he can play for the $32 million. Two, he could hold – out or hold in, or three, he could try to force himself with a trade. I mean, it's not a lot that he could do. Play for the $32 million or work out a new long-term contract. Hold out where you don't get any accredited time or hold in where you got to fake an injury and then you would get your you'd get thirty two million dollars for not playing, or try to figure out a way to make a trade. Yeah, yeah. No one's quite sure what's going to happen next with this story. But Lamar Jackson, who still you know isn't represented by an agent, acting as his own agent, kind of went and did the thing today. And by that I mean, and I, I read a story about this on Pro Football Talk. And Mike Florio is absolutely right. It took Lamar Jackson. He kind of needed to be the bad guy. And usually the agent is the bad guy, right? We saw a year ago, Eric Burkhart was the bad guy on behalf of Kyler Murray, right? The single-spaced, all-caps, you know, referendum on the state of the Arizona Cardinals ultimately got Kyler Murray a deal. Nobody had been willing to do that for Lamar because Lamar doesn't have an agent. Lamar went and did it for himself and said, I want out. Now, like you said, and it's a good point, oftentimes in situations like this, the trade request, the trade demand, it's a Leverage play, right? It's he doesn't actually want out or he's not intending to get out. He's using it to get what he wants, whether it works in this situation or not. I don't know, but I know this. Immediately, there started to be just tons of stories about where could he go, where could he go, where could he go. And I tell you, the one that scares me the most as a Cardinal fan, as somebody who wants the Cardinals to do well, the Indianapolis Colts. I do not want him going to the Indianapolis no, Colts. No, because it takes away the dream scenario. Kills the dream. It kills the dream. Kills the dream. Uh, for anybody who thought maybe the Cardinals could move down one spot, still get their guy, and add a couple of extra picks or an extra pick, that that's the dream scenario. That's the best-case scenario for the Cardinals if Indianapolis gets Lamar Jackson, that's dead. Unless, unless the team that moves into four in a trade with, so so the Colts, the Ravens move into four, okay? They make this trade. Now, if you're the Cardinals, you have to convince the Ravens to come up to three. Then it's not dead, right? Because in that way, it could still live. Am I wrong? Why, uh, I'm, I'm not following you. Okay. So, okay. The, why would the Ra- so you're convincing the Ravens to move up to three? Yes. Ravens execute For a, a trade with the Colts. Uh-huh. Okay. Ravens execute a trade with the Colts. Okay. Ravens move into four. Colts get Lamar Jackson. Now you're not dealing with the Colts anymore. You're dealing with the Ravens. The Ravens presumably are going to take a quarterback at number four. Now if you're the Cardinals, you just, you just move, with move with the Ravens. Okay. You just I'm deal following with them. So, so the dream, I think the dream is a little easier with the Colts. I don't know if he's going to the Colts, but yeah. I think and I just, really the thought just like, well, wait a minute. It's not necessarily dead because the Ravens, you can do the same thing with the Ravens. Hey, Ravens, you want to make sure you get your guy? You better come up to three and get him. My initial thought is just like I never wanted the Cardinals to give up their top five pick for Sean Payton. I don't know if Indianapolis would be given what willing to give up a top five pick, even for Lamar Jackson. I don't know. I just have a funny feeling that that's just like I'll give you the I'll give you pick fifteen, pick twenty. 
Yeah. Pick 25. I'm not giving you pick number four. You sent me a story today. Six potential landing spots for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, let's go over them. Number one, the Atlanta Falcons. Number two, the New York Jets. You stop me whenever you want to chime okay, in. Okay, the Jets have basically come out and said that would be negotiating in bad faith. We're all in on Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Number three, the Colts. The Colts make sense. I mean, I just don't know if they would give up that fourth pick to get him. Number four, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, that that's always made the most sense to me. Yeah, this this one makes a lot of sense to me too. And number five, the Washington Commanders. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you're in that situation like the Suns were with Kevin Durant. You've got a new owner eventually coming in, yeah. who's going to make that choice to go get Lamar? Number six, the New England Patriots. I don't know if Belichick would... That's not a Belichick-type player. seem like it, does it? Belichick's ball control offense, run the ball, throw it to your tight end, <sighs> control the offense a little bit. And now, he doesn't value... First mid first round draft picks or late first round draft picks, so that could be he'd be willing to give it up. But I don't know if Lamar's the type of quarterback that Belichick would like. A suggestion you made in our email thread that was reiterated by Marcus Spears moments ago on ESPN. I'm focus on the more fun part uh, that you said, Buggy. What about the Cardinals? What about <laughs> sending Kyler Murray in a pick? Whoa. And getting Lamar Jackson, like right? Similar. Uh, the Ravens wouldn't have to change much. Maybe you involve the passing game. Tom Munkin comes in. He can build and formulate a new relationship with Kyler Murray. We know what the contract uh, language was when Kyler Murray was re-signed. We know what they had to go through. By the way, a Philadelphia Eagles assistant was hired as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals who just came from an offense with an athletic dual-threat quarterback. What about that? And you would get a guy back that you wouldn't have to change much if you're the Baltimore Ravens, since the one you have doesn't seem to be suitable enough to pay him the amount of money he's asking for. I'd have to listen. It's intriguing. I swear it's intriguing. I don't know what the cap ramifications would be. Like in a trade like that, and I think you would have to kind of look at look at those scenarios to kind of figure out how that would be affected because of Kyler's contract, and then you had Lamar. But man, like you know, if you told me right now, could I trade if I could have Lamar Jackson over Kyler Murray? I'd do it. I would do it. I'll take yeah. Lamar. I like Lamar. He wins. He's an, he's been to the playoffs a bunch of times. He's won one playoff game. But like, who do I like better as a quarterback? I like Lamar Jackson better. I do. So from that, if you take everything out and you just say which player would you rather have, I'd rather have Lamar Jackson. Yeah. The cap, I'm glad you brought up the cap ramifications because I don't know. I, I don't know how any of that stuff would work. So I'm not going to sit here and, and say, do it, don't do it, because I don't know. I don't know what the money means, but is it an upgrade? Is it, is, it, is it an upgrade to a sure thing, a guy with a better resume at the NFL level? It's hard to debate that it's not given what Lamar Jackson has done and what Kyler Murray, quite frankly, hasn't done at this point in his career. It's an interesting thought. I don't know if it's going to get any traction or not, but it's an interesting thought raised by Marcus Spears today. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show Friday, we were nervous as all heck. After Saturday, are we feeling a little bit better about the Suns? It's next. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns went to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Drives down the left side. Hands it off to Booker coming by. Booker lobs it underneath. Biombo's there. Whammo time. Great assist, Pete. Booker, Biombo for two. 
And on behalf of Suns fans everywhere, thank God. <laughs> no, I'm being. I, yeah, thank God that I, they got a win. Yes, that they got a win. Yeah. Thank God. I mean, it was it was that game on Friday night was peak level, guys. What are we doing here? What is this? This third quarter and this obsession with the officiating just getting out of control. Just absolutely sideswiping everything. Agree. Thank goodness the screws got tightened up a little bit because they're getting a little loose on the good ship Phoenix Suns. And they tightened a big time with that win on Saturday night against Philly. Man, do they need that bad. So what do you want to start with? Sacramento or Philly? Philly. Let's start with uh, Philly. Let's start with Philly. Good news first. I was so impressed with the bench in the fourth quarter of that game. TJ, Warren, and Ross have been fantastic these last couple of days. Lots of scoring punch from those two. Cameron Payne. They started the fourth quarter with all bench guys, right? TJ, yep. Ross, Payne, Okoji, Landale. Now, it was 89-83. Game was totally up for grabs. By the time they bring Devin Booker back, it's 6.08, and they're up by 18 points. So they turned a six-point lead into an 18-point lead. Do you know the entire fourth quarter of that basketball game, there wasn't one basket by anybody named Devin Booker or I know. Chris Paul? Yeah. I was so impressed with that. Yeah. I mean, it was Ross. It was TJ. It was Payne. I mean, Cameron Payne. He was really good. With a couple of three-pointers late, I thought that was huge. And then Bismack Biombo. I mean, Book came back into the game for about two minutes and 50 seconds. He didn't score, but he had a couple of passes to Biombo for baskets. So it was really nice to see the starters not have to get relied on to win that game against Philly. Philly was worn out from playing the night before, but still... It was impressive to see the Suns bench deliver the way they did. The Suns should have been, too. I mean, they were both in similar circumstances. They were both playing Friday night in Northern California. Suns were in Sacramento. Philly was in Golden State. So both teams had the second night of a back-to-back thing going, and both teams were missing guys. There was no Harden for Philly. There was obviously no KD and DA for the Phoenix Suns. I did, that, to me, was the story of the game, was what happened at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And, and really, you almost didn't need to bring Devin Booker back in that game. In fact, at the, in the moment, I was almost kind of surprised that they did. You know, me too. Given that it was an 18-point game, me I too. thought, you know, this is a real good chance to just ride this a little bit longer, Monty. See how much longer you can go without Devin Booker. Because if you can give him the whole fourth quarter off on the second night of a back-to-back, that might be good, valuable. Where they brought him back, and he didn't play very impactful minutes. Um, but they were, the energy was really good. T.J. Warren, I mean, look, we've been talking for weeks now about Monty searching and searching and searching for the right combination. It almost feels like he stumbled upon T.J. Warren because he was really, a forgotten guy on this team in the weeks after the trade, right? I mean, he was getting minutes here, minutes there, but nothing really consistent, and certainly not a lot of it. The way he's played as of late, how much he's been relied upon as of late, is making me think he is going to have a role on this team when the playoffs come around in a couple of weeks. I think so. I think that the three guys that you're looking at are TJ, for sure, is going to play off the bench, so is Ross, and so is Cameron Payne. That gets you to eight, and then one of the backup centers Biombo a land down. Now you had to like what Biombo gave this whole weekend, not just on the game uh, Saturday, uh, Friday, but Saturday too. I thought Biombo was really good. I mean, his defense. I mean, he was playing his ass off. I like blocking shots and yeah. his body getting slammed to the ground. I mean, it was. Look, they needed that win because what happened in Sacramento the night before was just brutal. I mean, for them to implode like they did in that third quarter of the basketball game. I mean, you you, you were watching a train wreck. I mean, you felt like you were like, what are you guys doing? I mean, there was a there was a play. 
Cameron Payne gives the ball to Devin Booker, inbounds play. Devin Booker with this lazy, soft little bounce pass that Harrison Barnes said, oh, excuse me, thank you, and he dunked it, mm-hmm. and he dunked it. Mm-hmm. When he was trying to pass it back to Cameron, it was like you didn't even care. I mean, it was like... There was just no effort there. It was like you gave up. I mean, it's very rarely you ever say that about Devin Booker. But that's the laziest pass anybody's ever seen from Devin Booker in their life. He tried just a little bouncer, and Harrison Barnes is like, really? Oh, thank you. Yes. I'll take it. I'll dunk it. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the free two Merry points. Merry Christmas to me on that play. Yeah, no, and that was, look, not to harp on the officiating thing again, but you watched that game on Friday yep. night. So did I. Uh-huh. It, was, it was like, come on, guys, enough. Let it go. It's going to be the theme of the whole show today, apparently. Let it go. Okay, we get it. You're not getting calls. And we get it. You're frustrated. You're not getting calls. And yes, it does seem like they're getting calls that you're not. But at some point, you have to stop arguing with referees and play basketball. And maybe guard Kevin Werder. I mean, at some point, just guard him and stop. Fight through a pick. And it was obvious. It it just ground the whole operation to a halt in that third quarter. Because up until that third quarter, the Suns were playing great, inspired basketball Friday night against the Kings. They played a great first half. They played a great four. They were sharing the basketball. And the assists were up. And the turnovers were down and they were shooting well. They were getting good shots. And then in the third quarter that officiating thing, man, it just got in their head and it, it just gummed the whole thing up to a stop. Now, Saturday night, you mentioned the bench. Here's Monty talking about that. Our bench production, I think that's 53 to they had 17. You know, that's that's huge on a back-to-back um, emotional loss last night. And our guys just we had to dig deep. You know, you could see both teams were tired. And you mentioned the defense. Again, our best offense is a defensive stop. I've said that my whole coaching career. Um, the best offense is to get a stop and get out and run. And with the shooters we have and the guys who can touch the paint, um, it allows us to be more efficient. And honestly, the reason I say thank God, and it's not just because they got a win or it's not because of what's going on in the Western Conference. This team needed a reset. They needed a reboot, right? Like watching Friday night's basketball game was watching like that spinning wheel of death on your computer, right? And you're just, okay, where did, where did the Suns go? Where are they? And you're just watching the spinning wheel, waiting, waiting, waiting. What do you do when you get that from your computer? You reboot it. The Suns needed a reboot, and I'm hoping... Saturday night was that reboot. Now, it's not going to matter here in a hot minute because Kevin Durant's going to hopefully be back on Wednesday. DeAndre Ayton might be back tonight against Utah. It might not matter, but this team needed that reset, and they got it. And that's why I said, thank God, that they won the game Saturday. Yeah, and, you know, Philly emptied their bench with four minutes and six seconds left. They waved the white flag. They're down by 18. And Doc's like, just we're not going to win. So what am I doing here? So they, they subbed everybody out with about four minutes left. And it was nice to see the Suns finally win a basketball game like that. You know, going away, you know, the way they just pulled that out and just kept, you know, increasing the lead. Now, I think Sacramento, I mean, the bench guys, you know, there were points. I mean, obviously Ross, and but their defense was not very good. Uh, and that's why Sacramento was able to come back because the defense, Defense wasn't very good, but I I saw a much more inspired defensive effort against Philly on Saturday. It really did look like even the bench players who aren't necessarily good defensive players like Ross and T.J. Warren were really fighting to stick with their guy and stay in front of guys. Yeah. So we'll go over everything that happened over the NBA weekend coming up a little later on in the show. But if you want kind of the Cliff Notes version of what happened, 
Um, the Suns are holding steady at number four, not with a lot of wiggle room here, but the Clippers lost on Saturday. Golden State lost a really odd game last night. I was watching that one. They just fell apart at home against Minnesota with live ball turnovers leading to points against Minnesota. As things stand right now, Phoenix Suns have a one-game lead in the loss column over the L.A. Clippers. Clippers are fifth. Suns are fourth. They have a two-game lead in the loss column over Golden State for sixth. Everybody else is either at 37 or 38 losses in the play-in tournament. And don't look now. Season ends right now. Dallas Mavericks, Western Conference finalists from a year ago. They're not even in the playoffs. They're on the outside. They're falling apart. We'll get into it a little bit later. They are falling apart right now. Well, they, and they didn't expect this was going to be the year anyway, right? They they traded, they they let Brunson go, and they were saving all this cap space to get Luca a better player after this season. But they decided to go all in for Kyrie Irving, and it really hasn't worked for them. It's completely backfired. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now? We have an update on the trade market for DeAndre Hopkins. Someone is confident he's going to remain an Arizona Cardinal. We'll tell you who that is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, thanks for hanging out with us here on this Monday afternoon as we are once again monitoring all things DeAndre Hopkins because nothing has happened with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, maybe this week it's the owners' meetings and they're here in town. Maybe everybody getting together. Maybe that's the WD-40 we need to kind of loosen up the sticky bolts a little bit on this one, get some things moving with DeAndre Hopkins, or maybe nothing happens. Either way, this update is very interesting about D-Hop. Okay. According to Albert Breer, the Arizona Cardinals are now allowing other NFL teams permission to speak with DeAndre Hopkins to help facilitate a trade. Okay. Per his reporting, Arizona's initial ask to get a second rounder and another asset seems to have fallen flat. And there are teams waiting to see the price come down in wake of the Brandon Cooks trade to try to facilitate something. Arizona has granted teams permission to talk with Hopkins and his agents. Close quote. There was a report over the weekend that the Cardinals may want a Christian McCaffrey type of package for DeAndre Hopkins. Do you remember the Christian McCaffrey package? Yes. Do you remember it? Yeah, I, rem- I, I remember it. Um, so that was a, was that a second rounder? It was a second a third, a third a and fourth, another and a fifth. A second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. A second, third, fourth, right. and a future fifth. Right. Okay. Here, here's yep, Jerry Fowler with, with with the report. DeAndre Hopkins. You know, talking to other teams around the league, they do expect something to shake out with a Hopkins trade with Arizona in the near future. But that Arizona would have to come off their asking price. I've talked to teams who say that Arizona has wanted a second round pick and more, almost like a Christian McCaffrey package that you saw during the season last year. Second, third round pick, something big. So teams aren't willing to do that as of yet. I want a villa in Lake Como right now. I, I still don't have it, you know. I'm working on it, but I still don't have it. Man, if we could draw a line between the things I want and the things I actually have. That price of $15 million conversation. Just come down a little bit. We might be able to do it. But, uh-huh. like, I, listen, I don't blame you. Like, you know, the, here's the and this happens a lot. You value your player a heck of a lot more than anybody else does. They look at DeAndre Hopkins and say, you know what? He's missed a lot of games the last two years. Injury and suspension. He's not 27 years old anymore. And 
And you know what? The going weight rate for wide receivers is not what it used to be. I mean, it's not. It's changed. Look at the market. There's a lot of good ones in the draft. Like, why would I give you a second round pick? I won't give you a. So the problem becomes like you value the player a lot more. You think DeAndre Hopkins is? How does this guy not worth a second round pick? He's still one of the top five receivers in the NFL. He's in his prime. Yeah. He's got two years left on his deal. So you value him one way, but everybody else around the league's looking at the other deals that are getting done and said, "Yeah, like we're not going to give you a second round pick for him." That's the problem. No, it's it's one you're one hundred percent right. It's supply and demand, and the the demand right now for DeAndre Hopkins. Now, can we argue it should be better? Yeah, it should be. The the guy's still an elite receiver in this league. He's older, but he's not old. You know, he's not like in the washed up phase of his career. No. 31 years no. old. He's, he was still the best receiver on the Cardinals roster last year. Dude missed a third of the season, right? He I was mean, one of the best receivers in the NFL for missing a third of the yeah, season. His I mean, numbers was, were really good. He was, he was, and I, I understand from the Cardinals perspective, when you look at the wide receiver market a year ago, and you look at Tyree Kill, and you look at A.J. Brown, and you look at, you know, what those guys went for in the trade market, and how easy it was to move them, I'm sure the Cardinals thought this wasn't going to be that hard to move DeAndre Hopkins, that there would be a long list of teams that would want him, but for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that the price this year has just gone down for receivers like this, and teams are kind of holding firm to their stance that they're not going to overpay. The Cardinals are now in this position where they're, they're basically going to D-hop, and they're, according to the report, hey, you negotiate a deal. You, you, you bring us something. You work out a package, and if we like it enough, we'll accept it, which, frankly, I'm surprised it took this long to get to that. I would have thought we would have reached this part of the conversation a couple of weeks ago. I'm surprised it took us this long. To you get know, it makes me think back to the Texans trade and his value wasn't that high then. And you start to wonder, like, well, you know, is it him or is it just the, the market? Because they got the Texans to take on David Johnson's contract and they only give up a second and a fourth and they actually got a fourth back. So the fourths kind of wiped himself out. You get it, you got a second, but you got off of David Johnson's entire contract. It was fascinating because, you know, you kept thinking, man, did they not offer him to anybody else? Did they not call around the league? Well, maybe they did, and nobody then wanted to give up very much for DeAndre Hopkins. I remember when we were on the air the day that couldn't trade believe went it. down. We couldn't believe it. We, 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 almost like to what you just said a second ago, did the Houston Texans let the whole league know that DeAndre Hopkins was available? Because it just seems like the Houston Texans could have done a whole hell of a lot better than what they did for D-Hop a few years ago. Like, that's it? That's all you got for DeAndre right. Hopkins? Well, maybe you know? that's all you could have. Maybe they did call around the league, and maybe they just weren't able to get very much from him, and that was the best deal that they could get, which wasn't very good. But, what, I mean, what would be working against D-Hop? What would lower his... Is it his age? Is it the PED suspension? Is it the, is it the fact that he doesn't practice a lot, and that, that he might insist on and not you practicing got, a you lot? You got me, because I see a great player. You got me. I mean, I can't answer that. Because when I watch that guy play, I'm like, I don't care that he doesn't practice once a week. He's a great player. He's one of the best in the league at what he does. You can People can sit, oh, he doesn't get much separation. I don't care. He comes down with every damn ball thrown. He's got the biggest hands, got hands like in forks, the NFL. Right? He like, stabs at balls and he catches them, right? He doesn't yeah. have hands. He's I mean, forks. I, yeah, I mean, you're asking. I, there's, there's nothing negative I could find. As to why a team would not value him as a wide receiver, because I think he's great. Yeah. Uh, again, if it's a McCaffrey package, they want second rounder, third rounder, and a fourth rounder in 2023, a fifth rounder in 2024. That's what the 49ers gave up to get. I'll take a, I'll take a late second and be happy. Oh, I would too. 
I'll take a late second and be happy. I, and and maybe and maybe that's what and maybe the Cardinals reached this point with D Hop earlier, and it's just being reported now. But it, it does seem like this is a bridge that they should have crossed a long time ago. Now, from the Cardinals' standpoint, okay, here we go, trying to play the leverage game. Head coach Jonathan Gannon over the weekend, Steve Weish at the annual league meetings going on here in the Valley. Quote. I'm operating that he, DeAndre Hopkins, is a cardinal right now. So I'm looking forward to getting in the meeting room and on the field with him and seeing where it can go. I'm excited to get to work with him, close quote. He's got to say that. I mean, that's he's got to say that. Feels he's bluffy, still, doesn't it? Feels like a bluff. still a member of the Cardinals. I mean, you got to, just like you said, brought up last week, just like, we'll, we'll keep Josh Rosen. We'll keep him. We won't trade him. We don't get what we want from him. We'll keep him. They traded him. They eventually, like, you, you're saying all of these things because, look, they don't want to keep DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, clearly everything that they're doing in this offseason is nothing. So, I mean, I can't imagine what the value is in keeping a guy like that when you can get an asset for him. And we just talked a second ago about what's driving the price down on DeAndre Hopkins. What What is it that's making teams, you know, not want him? I, we suggested this last week, and I, I don't, I, this might be the best explanation of them all, is that teams know the Cardinals are going to get rid of him. Like, this is not a, it's the same reason why they didn't get that much for Josh Rosen, a guy who was, what, the 10th pick overall in the draft? They pawned off for a late second round pick all those years ago. Andy Isabella. It's the same reason. We know, collectively, the other 31 teams in the league know, dude, you got to get rid of him. You're not keeping him. He's a $31 million cap hit. You're a rebuilding franchise. He's a $31 million cap hit. You've got a quarterback who might miss half the season. You're not going to keep him. We know it. You know it. Everybody here knows it. We're not giving you all that stuff for a piece that we know you're going to move. So we're just going to smoke you out. We're just going to wait. We're just going to sit back here and let you realize. what if you really want him? Hmm? What what if you're a team that, what if you're Kansas City and you really want him? You're going to play that game to bring the price down. But again, like when you're, when you're picking late, say you, you know, we we will get him, but we only want a third. Your third round pick is worse than everybody else's. Agreed. So why, you know, why play that game? I mean, why like just trying to get cute here to try to? I don't know. No, just, you know that what? part it, doesn't it, make sense it's to me. What you, it's what you say all the time when it comes to stuff like this. Who's got the hammer? Who's got the hammer? Cardinals don't have the hammer on this. No, one. they don't. No. They don't have the hammer. Who's got the hammer? Kansas City Chiefs have the hammer. The New England Patriots have the hammer. Other teams have the hammer on this one. And I think, I don't know for sure, I think this is probably what's going on here is that these other teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, no. We're not gonna. We're not gonna just just because we need them, just because we want them, and we're, we're not giving you a second round pick. Yeah, we're not giving you a second round pick. Why? Because we have the hammer here. You have to get rid of him. We don't have to acquire. Did you see the That's story? That's the key. You we see? don't have to acquire him. We don't have to. We acquire want him, but we don't have to have. Did him. you see Andy Reid over the weekend talking up Sky Moore? Yes, Andy Reid, the head yes. coach of the Chiefs, like, oh, Sky Moore, we're ready. Step yeah. up time. He's got to step up. It's a big year for Sky Moore. Okay, Andy. <laughs> okay. I mean, the Chiefs just proved they could win a Super Bowl without Tyree Kill with Juju Smith-Schuster well, and Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. And that's a great counterpoint. It comes down to what I tell my kids all the time. Look, there's what you want and there's what you need. If you need something, we'll get it for you. You need sneakers? You got a whole, We'll get you sneakers. You need new what? We'll get you underwear. You want a new Xbox? It's a little different. You want a new baseball bat. You just got one three months ago. Like, so there's a difference, right? There's what you want and there's what you need. Yes. It seems like DeAndre Hopkins is what people want, but not what they need. Yes. Yeah. Because the Kansas City Chiefs, to your point, 
man, we won a Super Bowl last year and we did it without Tyreek Hill. We don't need you. I'd like to have you, but I don't need you. Yeah, that's good. That's really, really good. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the stage is set for perhaps on paper the weirdest Final Four we've ever seen in our collective lifetime. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter Poll, presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, we got Eric Ruby here with us for today's Twitter Poll question of the day. Rubes, the stage is yours. What do you got for us? Ooh, Lamar Jackson time in the NFL. Things are getting spicy, and there's a couple ways that a Lamar Jackson trade request could impact the Cardinals. So we're asking you guys which ones you're concerned about. Okay. Option number A is that the Colts acquire Lamar Jackson, and the Cardinals don't have an option to trade back in the draft and take Will Anderson. Option number B is that a team like, let's say, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Rams, they get in on the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Or option C, you're actually not too concerned about this impact on the cards at all. A, because I do like the dream scenario the most. I do feel like that's your best. That that would be the grand slam. If you come away with a trade with the Colts and add an extra second round pick for letting them move up one spot, there's nothing better than that. I wouldn't be happy seeing Lamar Jackson go to a team that competes with the Cardinals on a regular basis because I do like Lamar Jackson quite a bit. He wins a lot of games. I would agree with Gambo. Even though the Colts trading that pick to the Ravens doesn't necessarily kill the dream, I think it puts a damper on it enough that I would worry about that. I'd go for A as well. This one actually shocked me, but 60 Nine percent, an overwhelming majority, going with C. They're not concerned about how this impacts the Cardinals at all. In second place at 16% is A, not being able to trade back in the draft. And 1% behind it is B, team acquires, like let's say the 49ers, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You got another one for us today? Yeah. Who will win the NCAA championship, guys? Because we got some uh, teams UConn. in there. UConn. UConn. So we're going with the favorites, right? This this is the time we're going with all the favorites after everything that happened? I, I just... I just the way they've demolished everybody up until this point, they're the easy pick, they're the safe pick, they're the heritage pick, they, they, all that stuff. They're the only team that's actually, not that these players have been there, but the only program that's been there before, I think it's an easy pick. UConn will win the national championship. We got a double blowout in polls because 64.5% agree with you guys, say the Huskies will cut down the nets, and a tie for second place at 13% is Miami and SDSU, and at 8.7% is FAU. Thank you, Eric. We appreciate it. Those are our poll questions. You can find them on the Burns and Gambo page. If you missed us at the beginning of the show, Kimbo really just kind of backed his way into the best bracket of every single host and producer here at the station. As your winner right there. The bracket is just pure garbage. There's a lot of red on that. No teams in the Final Four and one team in the Elite Eight, and I won. Yeah, it is. it has been that yes. kind of... And, yep. and look, I'll just say this before we talk about kind of what happened over the weekend. Okay. Um, the ratings this weekend for the Final Four and Monday's championship game are going to stink. They're going to be Because there's no blue, blue there's bloods? No, there's no blue bloods. No blue bloods. And UConn's the only one. Mm. There's no Duke. There's no Kentucky. There's no UCLA. They're, they're going to stink. And you know what? I don't care. The price, and it's easy for me to say I'm not the network banking on those ratings. The newcomers. Okay, but but the what has happened over the last two weeks to get to a Final Four that's got, what, a four, two fives, and a nine in it? Crazy. I don't care how bad the Final Four is or how uninteresting the Final Four might be. This tournament's been awesome this year. I mean, just flat out, full on, can you, even the games over this weekend, right, like Miami, 
They were down they, 13. They were getting 13. Butts handed to them in that game. Couldn't and they believe just it. Came back and won the game. Yeah, Florida. Tough as now. And they didn't hit. I don't think they hit a three pointer in the second half. You have to look that you are up. Correct. I don't think they hit a three. I, I believe they're you're down right. thirteen, and they don't even shoot the three, and they come storming back to beat Texas. Um, incredible. Thirteen minutes and twenty nine seconds left. They go on a thirty seven seventeen run to win the game. And man, they knocked down their free throws. I give those kids credit, man. They were tough as nails at Miami. They they went to the free throw line so many times in the final couple of a couple of minutes, and they kept hitting, knocking those free throws down. I was very impressed. With Miami. Yeah, Miami was impressive the way they came back and beat Texas because it looked like they were absolutely done in that game. I'll save UConn for last because they absolutely destroyed Gonzaga. Okay. Um, probably the most wild finish of the weekend was San Diego State and what yeah. happened against Creighton. It was a very James Bradbury Super Bowl kind of moment, wasn't it? It was because, the, you know, you, you know, you, you, was it a foul or was it not a foul? You know, and you're just looking at it there, and you're like, ah, it was, you know, he got, he got by him, he got into his lane, hand on the back, and they call it, and, you know, and San Diego State, the kid misses the first, makes the second, and they end up winning the game. Yeah, I I mean, look... I, I, I thought the conversation they had on CBS or TBS, whatever network was broadcasting the game, was was really, really good. It was Barkley and it was Jay Wright, and they were arguing back and forth. And I, I really loved what Jay Wright had to say. He goes, okay, it's a foul. I look at it. I see his trajectory's been changed. And, and there was he gets up in the air and he gets moved. All I want as a coach is whatever you're calling then, call it now. Whatever you called earlier in the game, sure. call it now. Can't ask for more than and that. And in a game like that, I mean, Creighton, what? Just four first half fouls. San Diego State. I'm looking at my notes here. Just six total free throws for the game. It looked like the refs were not calling a lot that game. And Creighton tied it on the one of the most unusual plays. San Diego State was inbounding the ball, and they inbounded the ball to a guy, but it went over his head, and the Creighton player just kind of went around them for a pass for like a touchdown, and then just put it in the basket. Tie game. Like, oh my god, what a terrible mistake by San Diego State. So, and you know what's so odd about this, right? You think about the powers out west, UCLA, Arizona, Gonzaga, and it's San Diego State in the Final Four? Future member of the Pac-12, baby. San Diego State's in the Final Four. Come on, come not on Arizona, in. not UCLA, not Gonzaga. It's San Diego State. Come on in, San Diego State. You got an open invitation to join the Pac-12 as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it was, but but for San Diego State, you know what they did to Alabama, 3 of 27 from 3 on Friday. Creighton, 2 of 17 from 3. It, it's, I thought it was a foul. It's sort of, it robbed us of what could have been a great all-time ending, just like James Bradbury's holding call in the Super Bowl robbed us of what could have been a great all-time ending. So they get in, they advance. Florida Atlantic, now what's funny about Florida Atlantic getting in as a number nine seed is that this is actually somewhat common for seeds like this to get into the Final Four. UCLA was an 11 just two years ago. You know, Loyola of Chicago back in 2018, they were an 11. Syracuse was a 10 back in 2016. Wichita State was a 
nine Wichita back State in 2013. VCU in 11, George Mason in 11. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this happens, right? What makes this Final Four weird is is the fours and the fives. There's no ones, there's no twos, there's no, no ones, threes. no twos, no threes. That's what makes it weird. Um, but for Florida Atlantic, man, they, they have been flirting with danger this entire tournament. Almost every single game, if not for a little run here or a little run there, they would have been out. And it was really no difference against K-State in that game. K-State had a six-point lead with about five minutes to go, and, yep. and they, they couldn't score the basketball after that. Yeah, I thought the you know FAU, they just controlled the boards. I mean, they have this seven-foot-one center, and he was just dominating the boards. And then even at the end of the game, you know, and I, watch out for that guy, Dusty May, the FAU coach. I mean, he's like, he could be that next great, oh, you know, guy sure. that's going to get an opportunity here. But Kansas State, you know, they had a chance to tie it, and they couldn't get the shot off at the end of the game. I mean, just the pressure by FAU. I got the biggest kick out. I, you know, I didn't even, barely even knew this. You know, I'm in that this group chat with my friends, and two of my kids, two of my friends have kids that go to FAU. Oh, really? Two of them, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Do we have them play basketball? Fetus. Fetus and Bobby Mack have kids that go to FAU. I didn't know. I didn't yeah, Fetus. I know you love that nickname. I just love that nickname. It's yeah, he's got a kid that got two, two kids that go to FAU. Yeah. Casey was up by six with about eight and a half minutes to go. They didn't make another field goal for nearly seven minutes. FAU went on a 15 to one run. And so now they advance. And then, of course, the, the, the team that, okay, so if not UConn, then who would we pick to win it all? Who do you, who do you want or who would you pick? Who would you pick? If I if I said you can't, I can't pick imagine UConn, UConn isn't going to just wipe the field with these teams. Um, that's a great question. I'd take Miami. I believe I would too. If I had to take a second team, I would take Miami. Yeah, I believe they, I would too. Their their path, not that the path indicates anything. Their path has been by far the toughest. They'd be a 12 seed, a 4 seed, a 1 seed, and a 2 seed. Uh, none of the other teams has, have had that tough a path. Looking at San Diego State, they'd be a 12, a 13, a 1, and then a 6. They play great defense. San Diego State? Yeah, they play really oh, good yeah, defense. They do. They're bully ball, totally. So know, UConn looks unstoppable right now. What they did to Gonzaga, I mean, that was just, that game was over five minutes into the game. Well, yeah. not, I was actually close at like 32, 34, 32, but they pulled away and they just, they, they, they looked impressive. Yeah, largest in an Elite Eight game since 1992. They've won their first four NCAA tournament games by at least 15 points. That hasn't been done in a long, long time either. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, just when we thought this season was falling apart, here come the reinforcements for the Phoenix Suns. That is next on the Burns and Gambo show.